In this 149th episode, we're going to entitle The Off-Season. We have new bikes released, mywindsock.com, strength training losses and gains, praying mantis position question, lactate and effort, nutrition question and more. Welcome to the 10th year of Coach Joe Beer Multisport Podcast for triathletes, duathletes, sportive riders, road racers, time trialists, runners, mountain bikers and fitness enthusiasts. Whatever your distance and whatever your event, this podcast aims to make you smarter and faster. We are supported by Nopins, suppliers of cycling, running, triathlon, duathlon, aero clothing, custom club kit, innovators of the speed pocket, the speed belt, the trip suits and more. Visit nopins.com. Also supported by cyfortracing.co.uk for all your biking needs with great brands such as Scott, Infocrank, Garmin, GoPro, Powerbar, Freego, Freego electric bikes. <laughs> What's that up there? High bike. High bike. Scott, Scott electric bikes and KTM. And KTM. Visit southfortracing.co.uk. I'm Coach Jobier and I'm joined once again by Crocker Martin Jr. Uh, of Southfort Racing. Hello. Hello. Hello, Hello Joe. Hello, Hello, everybody. Right, gossip and rumour, straight in there. Oh, I, got, no, I, got, I, don't, I don't do gossip. Don't do well, I, I got a new book. <laughs> I got a new book. <laughs> a bit like a combine hour yeah, yeah, yeah. Um a new one in proof format from a from a quite famous person actually. Um well, they'll to, appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it's all right. I mean it's, people will be a miles off and get which which it was really a surprise actually, and I've been reading it through and it's um yes, a bit different from um from this person, but it was it is it is sort of cycling related. But um, I hope at one point to be able to say that was the book I was on oh, about. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was the book I was on about. Hey, this is, uh, we're recording this on Friday, the 7th of October. This week has been New Bike Bling Week, has it not? It has, it has indeed. And I guess this is due to Kona. Kona, which is tomorrow, which people, when you've heard this, it will have been and gone. And there will be a new male and female champion uh, that may be the same people, may be different. We saw the Cervelo... Hang on a minute. Maybe the same people may be different. Yeah. What? So maybe the same male-female athlete? Yeah. As in last year's winner? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not the same person. <laughs> Not unless they've changed it. Is that what you say? Yes, 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 yes. Right. yes Thank yes. you. Yes. So there was the Cervelo P5X. That I've not looked a lot of pictures of it, to be honest. Um, I saw it. But the one that did stand out was the diamond back. The name of it? Oh, I can't remember the name. Amma Amma something. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, quite revolutionary. Though people that have been around and are a bit longer in the tooth than Martin will remember a look bike that Alex Zula used, and that had um, a big extension underneath the down tube that that fairinged in behind the front wheel, and also had extensions all over it. So it was basically one great big uh, one great big wing. But yes, the diamond back, which is being uh, ridden in, in Kona, 
there's also, uh, I noticed a BMC time machine has been updated and that now seems to have a aerodynamic box sat behind the seat tube just where the, the old fashioned bikes used to have a brake. And also there is likely to be um, some tweaks to a couple of other brands I've seen some spy shots and heard some info, but we can't say anything about it just in case it doesn't happen. And then people say, you said such and such was doing it. You've let the cat out of the bag. So we will, again, say about it later. Yeah, but, mean, but our Twitter feed is always, or my Twitter feed is always the place where there's the odd, um, if not spy shot, there's a few hints on things. Yeah, the um, Diamondback Andine. Andine, yes, right. Both which, disc brakes as well, the Cervelo and the Yeah, Andine, they're both so. disc brakes. Um, the BMC Time Machine, I... I didn't look at it for long enough. It was, um, I think it's Will Clark, who's in uh, uh, BMC uh, Tri-Team. He um, he had a picture of it in Kona, and I don't recall seeing discs on it. I think, no, no, because there was definitely a shot from the uh, looking up under the front fork, and there was definitely standard uh, brake calipers stuck in under the fork. But they've slightly revised that, but only slightly. So there just seems to be loads of bikes suddenly that BMC and certainly the, the Cervelo were a bit of a, whoa, they, they just bought another bike. That was un, that was totally off the radar. And Diamondback, wow. I mean, where did they come from? Yeah, I, I mean, you, if, all of this is leading to the question on what we, we broached upon last podcast, is uh, the UCI going to be changing a... Uh, you know the the law on you know basically they're, they're at the minute three the guys yeah three yeah. to one they're the guys that are kind of holding back the technology if you know what I mean holding in, back in in the UCR racing but yeah. in triathlon one imagines that once these are ridden they're not going to subsequently say do you know what this is getting a bit out of hand they're all turning into great big um, uh, wing shaped things and they're starting to be dangerous therefore we'll ban them there, there have been retrospective things used in triathlon that have been subsequently banned so it's not impossible for certainly looking at the Diamondback which is the most revolutionary in all of them that that <clears throat> I don't know couldn't be maybe retrospectively um, banned in Kona for those that don't know, it is uh, unable to be uh, a disc wheel race. You cannot ride a rear disc wheel because of the wind and the fact that somebody could get blown off. If there is enough surface area of the bike frame, that could also be a possibility. Uh, front wheels, there is no specific um, dimension, but many people often have quite small um front wheels there's certainly the female riders often have what look like smaller wheels because there's just a high amount of um of side wind and they're quite light and they'll just get blown around so there's been quite a few bikes released and there's um probably going to be you know the the odd surprise well somebody will release something else but um i didn't imagine all of that to happen this week it's suddenly like wow they've all suddenly done it and it, it probably illustrates how important in the non-UCI area that Kona seems to be the place where most of the biggest bike releases come. It was like, it's like Eurobike all over again, isn't it? Well, it really? is, but it's, you know, it's, it's specifically the non-UCI ones wait until they get to Kona. So it's not even going out at the bike shows, it's going out at Kona to use that as the forefront of, um, of look, this is what of we've got. Kit. Yeah. And this is the athlete that's, that's using it. Um, Two other 
what are they? They're inside in, insider, I'll tell you later things, because we did have that guy saying, tell me something that you, you can tell me. We can sometimes tell you of something and then we'll tell you about it when it comes out. Um, but if we at least put our pole in the sand now, um, I know of a, of a new dental product and I know of a new um, special tyre um, that at some point I can tell you about, but at the moment it's it's all very, um, uh, you know, rubbing your, hush, rub, hush. Rub, rubbing your nose and tapping your ears and all that kind of malarkey. Um, what do you know, Martin? Um, there's nothing kind of apart from obviously what we've touched on. I've, I've got a, a little bit more information on the Cervelo, yeah. um, which I had sent through to me. Um, from um, from my particular source that I've got. <laughs> Your particular so, source? Yeah. So, <laughs> I um, cannot reveal my sources. My sources, no. So I can, obviously that's something I can show show yourself, but I, I don't know whether it's in common circulation just yet. So uh, if it's the case that it uh, isn't in circulation, then I shall wait until I get the okay and then I can pass that on to uh, to Joe and Joe can circulate if he needs to. But there's there's other little bits and bobs and, you know, it is the time of year where most of the new stuff has been shown probably last mm. month, uh, yeah. if not, the you know, kind of uh, August, September. Everything quietens down a little bit until mm. it, it eventually arrives into the, yeah. into the shops. So. And one, one of the things I think why it's not only relevant because this is... Um, uh, new bikes that relate to try. We talk about new bikes if they just come out of the tour. Anything to do with endurance, we you know we want to flag up. But it's also that new bikes or upgrades or improvements of equipment. When we think about the off season, it's one of the places where people can spend some time and effectively, hopefully, cross their fingers, spend effective money on getting an improvement. And if you can really do your homework and notice that there's some kind of either improved bit of kit or the kit that you're using is worn, um, is uh, is due to be upgraded or in some way needs you to attend to it. Because the off-season isn't as much about train, 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 train. It can be as much about your admin and refining what you do. And I think if you see things come up, it's also quite good to think, well, I've got to change my tyres, so maybe I change to this brand or this model, or I've got to uh, I've got to get a new bike. Oh, who's come out with a really good bike that does various things because it's got disc brakes, it's got wider tyres, etc., etc. So I think why these things are relevant, not just to say, wow, aren't they great new bikes? It's actually to say you should be thinking about your kit. If you can't upgrade your bike, that's not um, that's not a big problem. You may just be able to upgrade certain components or not let your bike fail you because you just take it from the last race, shove it in the, uh, the attic or the spare room or the shed or wherever you leave it, and then expect it to be performing really good first race next season. Yeah, yeah. And, and also I think for this, as we are approaching the off-season, I know there's still a few guys out there, they're racing, but it's just actually quite quite fun just to kind of um, just go and have a trawl of the internet and have a look at all the new kit that's out there. So yeah. I, I quite enjoy that. I quite enjoy that. Yeah. And I like, I like tech. And I, I, I don't think anybody that knows me um, well would be surprised, <laughs> be surprised at that. But I just, I like, I like the exciting possibilities that the right technologies give us, whether it's recovery, whether it's speed, whether it's motivating people. And the bit that I won't speak much about... Now, hey, wait, 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 wait. I've got to finish this. Well, the bit that I won't speak about, but I will next time, is this idea of wearables and how a group of sports scientists basically wrote this introductory paper saying, 
the wearables are perhaps not as great as people want them to be because there's too much information and they shouldn't necessarily use them. And in that instance, there are people saying, look, not everything um, that's new is great. And that's quite, you know, I've gone down dead ends and gone, actually, that isn't a good thing to buy my bike. It doesn't work. But I think sometimes it's quite exciting to see those things and not think, oh, I've got to get myself a uh, um, a Diamondback bike now because look at that. I don't think it should be based on envy or, oh, somebody's got better than me. Just sometimes to say, look, there's always subtle refinements and often what is said about any of these upgrades is often a little bit aired on the side of, you know, it might give you this, this or this. What I think is interesting is that if you can't get the new 10 grand bike, perhaps you can think more positively about, you know what, I'm just going to be three kilos lighter or, you know what, I'm really going to time my 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 beetroot loading or I'm going to time my intervals right. It's not to say just because you can't afford the best kit, you can't do better things next year. And But you have to bear in mind, Joe texts me at, what, at some ungodly hour to go, oh, you've got to see this, and he'll send me a link, he'll send me pictures, and it'll be, oh, you just, this is the new, apparently this has just come out, or, or you know, we'll, I will text him maybe during the day at work going, um, oh, you might want to have a look at, at this. And like I said, at about 11 o'clock or 12 or sometimes 2 o'clock in the morning, my phone will go off and I'll look at it and it'll be Joe going, yeah, I've had a look through this and, you know, this looks amazing. So, you know, it, it doesn't, I know I'm not the only person that gets these text messages as well. So, um, yeah, kind of, you know, Joe's, Joe's pretty much on it from from kind of get up to, to go to sleep. When I say uh, he's, he's on it, it's, it's pr- pretty much... 24-7 when I get... But and even on Sundays as well, <laughs> text messages, which I do, I, would, I, would, I do like having these text messages and I can ignore them at two o'clock in the morning and I pick them up in the morning, but... But, but one, one of the things is, is I'm, I'm really passionate about it because I, I do think that not all technology is great and not all technologies are used well, be they, um, be they bikes or cars or planes or trains or whatever. There's, you know, people being on iPads too late affects their sleep and then they they complain about not recovering and things like this. There's definitely abuse of technology. There's definitely people that have got... The other day I had a conversation with somebody and they had four Garmin's on their Garmin Connect and I was like, you don't need four Garmin's. (laughs) Um, And and, um, what I like is effective use of technologies and sometimes all that happens with these new products is it says, in this situation, this particular technology will help us not everyone needs to you know get a a diamond back or a um or a, a plasma or a whatever bike to be a triathlete or to be a time trialist or to be any of those you can actually be quite effective with whatever kit you've got but if you um if you get motivated by seeing other people do things you may just be able to do it in your own little way you may just think you know what i'm really going to sort I'm really going to sort the garage out so I've got a proper space and I'm not kicking I'm not kicking the 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 garden fork every time I pedal the lawnmower tripping the lawnmower yeah, and I'm not yeah. and I'm not I'm not going to um you know do anything more you know bizarre than stick a mirror in front of the rollers or make sure I've got my sports nutrition sorted out for off season whatever it is I just think these new products and particularly the Kona at this time of year it just triggers a different response it's like, oh yes, we're in the winter mode. It's October. It's now, um, uh, you know, seven o'clock. It's uh, 
It's darker. It's definitely coming into season. And all the conversations for the past two weeks have been about quite happy to go into winter, quite looking forward to it. And to me, the introduction of new products, a bit like what you've said, is it's a nice way to sort of motivate yourself as a different time of year. But it should never be used as a, you know, an envious or a kind of like, oh, crikey, I can't compete with people with that. You're only ever, and I'm sorry to sound really corny, you're only ever competing with yourself and your likely resources. There's always somebody a little bit faster, got a little bit more dosh, got a little bit more time, a little bit more gifted, perhaps. That doesn't stop you doing your Ironman, doing your time trials, doing your sporties, doing your mountain bikes, doing stuff that... You might do stuff that's more about your your head and about how you can push yourself for 24 hours and ride, you know, something like you know 400 miles or something like that. So I don't I don't think it should ever be seen as we've all got to get these because it's just appeared on the internet. And I, and I actually had a text as we are um, recording um, from an athlete that uh, was ill, and there's been several people, bit by bit, friends, family, and clients getting ill over the past two or three weeks we've got to that point where just in september the kids go uh kids go back to school you start seeing the first colds and actually at this time of year if you get ill or it just starts to sort of get on top of you it can be quite nice sometimes you're not feeling too great you just go on the net and just look at the top you know top bikes in kona or you look at the uh world championships tomorrow yeah world championships tomorrow and you look at the um, oh that's not there's nothing to do with us um you look at the uh the you know the the riders in the world championship time trial i saw it's um uh it's a time trial but it no it's a time trial but it's the um uh it's a team team time trial yeah Yeah. i couldn't think of that word team and it's just quite nice sometimes to immerse yourself in stuff when you can't train or when you're not racing and just really get get into the hub of oh they've made this and they've done this and i think especially with the aerodynamics of bikes people are thinking outside of different boxes now they're not all coming up with the same solution and some of the most unlikely places like diamondback to to get somebody throws such a curveball at everybody else saying look at this but but then this is also down to the fact that you know the the most some of the companies get let off the leash if you know what I mean, yeah. if you if you all have to pang to the same plan, uh, which pang to the same plan, I yeah, like that. Like, um, we use the we use the word dosh. We don't use the word dosh enough, and um, it's you know you can only create you can only create a certain shape bike or a certain shape suit or a certain material suit or a um, you know a, a certain type of of trainer or shoe because you all have the same sheet to sing from but once that kind of that restriction gets removed then we're just going to see far more um you know uh advancement as well in things like aerodynamics in bike shape wheel shape um you know uh, suit material um i mean i know you can't do certain amount with, with with shoes but you know, I've noticed that um, people like Nike are starting to bring out the um, Back to the Future Michael J. Fox auto lace shoe. And my, my kids were like, "Dad, it's really happened!" And it's, it's, it is. It's right on cue. Yeah, we won't have the we won't have the hoverboards yet. And See, we, that's yeah, what I mean. We won't have hoverboards, and we won't have the cars that fly in the air. I'm outraged. We got drones, which is almost getting there. You know, mm. the, the drone that's on the um, on Back to the Future because I watch that one quite a lot. That's got the news feed, and it's hovering up in that's the air, right, and yeah. it's got the news feed on it. So yeah, anyway. Uh, we, we digress we slightly. Let's jump into a question from... Um, I got this from Bob Watson. And I think, Bob, I know you through time trialling. And I think I know him through being a... I think he's a uh, a no-pins 
speed pocket user. I, I, I know of you and you've contacted me. Anyway, Bob, uh, you've said, hi, Joe. Um, I've been invited to... I like it. I like it. It's a funny way to say it, but you'll see what I mean. I've been invited to pay for bespoke nutrition guidance based around my training, but it's expensive and I don't know if I'd follow it. Do you know of any good nutrition guides for aging cyclists? It's not something I've paid any attention to at all, but I guess it could help me get fit and feel better. Cheers, Bob. Uh, I just thought initially this was um, one of those, uh, it was from Instant Messenger, one of those things that people send me and I just pinged it back. But I then, towards the end, thought, oh, this might be good for the podcast. So I said, hi, Bob. Uh, bespoke would only be good if the individual suggestions are actually done. If not, it may be wise to browse a few sports nutrition books at your nearest Waterstones, etc. And there are other bookstores available um, and get one whose format, advice, recipes and level of seriousness appeals to you. Uh, can I use this question in the next podcast? And he then got back to me and he said, yes, of course. And thanks for the advice. There are lots of people using their specialist skills to promise more speed in return for a slice of my cycling budget. It's hard to choose between them. Being very time crunched, it's unlikely I'd be able to follow up a bespoke plan, but I could easily improve from where um, from where I am. Cheers, Bob. So he's almost saying I could probably do some of this myself anyway. And I think sometimes, particularly with um, nutrition, diet, there are foods you like, there are foods you are... Some people love the idea of eating beetroot. It just appeals to them and it's nice and they notice they get better. Other people, they hate it, they don't want it. Some realise, oh, do you know what? In the off-season, I really do like my... Uh, my uh, tipples and um, double deckers. Double deckers. Is that your problem? Is it? Oh, oh double deckers. I don't know what mine is. Um, There's almost three hundred calories in a, in a normal sized de- uh, double decker. Is there now? Okay. But also, anyway, well, I've had two. <laughs> Carry on. You're, you're a very long time looking at the lid, and there are some people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There are some people that the inside are, of are the lid, incredibly yeah. hard on themselves. To achieve mediocrity. And in the, the nicest way. In the yeah. nicest possible yeah, yeah, yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. And what I mean by that is that you just because you go through purgatory about the things that you promise you won't eat, and just because you are um, on a completely, you know, insert the name here, you know, vegan, keto, Atkins, whatever diet, just because you're on that doesn't mean you necessarily gain a lot from it, doesn't necessarily mean that you're happy. And in a roundabout way, reading something today uh, about Laura Trott, or Laura Kenny as she is now, um, she was saying, I will never give up chocolate. Uh, she did say she drinks a lot more milk now, and that she, um, she, she definitely uses that as a way of recovering. But it's quite nice that an Olympian can say, I'm not going to give up chocolate. What, you know... As much I'm as not got... a nun, I am not a monk. Yeah, not a nun <laughs> yeah, yeah. and a monk. And nuns and monks that listen to this podcast, we do not wish to offend you. Um, you do very good at what you do, um, but there's not many nuns and monks that win medals, okay? They might do very good for our knowledge of uh, theo- theological uh, thinking and other things, but I think that within the area of nutrition, there's such emotions about foods and there's such enjoyable flavors i mean i love mango chutney okay i just love it you know and i've seen i've seen today all oh, there's poppadoms like there's mango chutney oh it's gonna be curry or something like that and, and i love that and i like going out for curry and i like um i'm not a big drinker but there's certain foods that i like and i wouldn't think oh 
I wouldn't, I won't drink, you know, I won't have mango chutney because that's too fatty or that's too this or that's too that. I think when people know they've got to pull their finger out and do their diet a bit better, do it. But also acknowledge that, again, if we're in the off season, the initial part of the off season is about if you have been quite hard on yourself about what you eat and how you've got your weight down to a set level, don't then try and keep that going. You've got to let your body and your desires for food, just let them go a bit. You know, hence the the whole great thing of, you know, having, uh, uh, you know, all the sugary sweets that are around, you know, at at Halloween and all the food around Christmas and stuff like that. Fine. Don't give up Christmas because you want to take 10 minutes off your Ironman. But also maybe this time of year is a time to try little tweaks to your diet. Certainly tie... I think reducing the carbs that you have from gels and drinks and stuff and just train more on simple foods and sometimes train on on fasted sessions just to like teach your body to go back to the basics. But whether you need somebody to tell you, you've got to have, you know, this mung bean salad and you can't have that much meat because you have to half it and this, this and this. After a while, I do wonder that it makes it too serious. And my observation of people that lose the plot on the diet is they don't end up being the happiest people. And some of the happiest people will just say, curry, yeah, whatever, and they'll have it. What they won't do is they won't, um, they won't actually ever be too harsh on themselves. But if they want to lose weight, they know what to do. They just start to trim it down. They monitor what they are on the scales. They take the foods out that they know they need to do. And then they, 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 they sort of go towards their goal. But we're not all aiming towards... Um, the the lower trot you know gold medal scenario even if we eat the most perfect foods in the world we are not going to get a gold medal so don't see that only the highest performers must be worthy because they've done the most amount of sort of if you like monk like training actually the lower trot thing is great because like yep she likes chocolate and I remember a guy I worked with who was a very good duathlete and triathlete and somebody that stayed with him once at a race said the hotel room just was littered with wrappers of chocolate this bloke could eat (laughs) this bloke could not only swim back and run fast he could also eat chocolate a lot and um and he was he was quite happy doing it but if you said to him you can't do it he'd say well what's the point what what just because I eat the chocolate I'm not going to be as good as I want to be and that is the real danger in diet is that people can make it out that you know you've almost got to fear foods and you've almost got to be oh what should i eat next because i don't know because is it going to be bad or good and it's like hey just eat what feels good for you and i mean i'm not a person that takes pardon the pun food out of, of people's mouths but with with a lot of 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 this stuff and bob Bob sounds as though he's kind of he's he's, he's done. He knows his he does yeah. know his stuff. Yeah. I yeah. think sometimes we just need reassurance. Uh, yeah. Are we doing the right thing? Can I gain a bit more by by maybe polishing up on the nutrition? But most of the time, good good seasoned athletes are there or thereabouts, aren't they? I mean, again, we could all lose a few pounds. We could all um, you know do with maybe not going over the top with alcohol or going over the top with eating out or takeaways but you know fundamentally is that going to is that going to stop us from achieving mm, our goals mm. if you, if you've got your mind set on that goal yeah. um, and investing your money into someone helping you work out what diet would work best for you then you know I'm I'm all for it go yeah. for it but most of that information that you are now um gaining from this person that you're paying you could have probably got or yeah. slash have worked yeah. out already. Yeah, because I, I 
I don't drink, not because I think, oh, it's going to slow me down. I hate feeling like I've got a foggy head. I like to get up in the morning, irritatingly already on the ball <laughs> and irritatingly full of beans. Um, I hate getting up and going, oh, my head. Just trying to kickstart yourself oh, my out. Head. I just, uh, I've, I've done my fair share of drinking when I was younger and having older brothers meant I started quite young. <laughs> quite young. But... After a while, it was like I don't want to. I don't want to run ten miles on a Sunday when I'm still hungover from Saturday. I'll give that up a bit. And more I did it, the more I thought I don't want to go back there. Occasionally, you know, I can get a, a, a whiff of a uh, uh, what do they say? The, the whiff of the barmaid's um, tea towel, yeah. and I'm and I'm drunk, yeah. you know, and that's it. But it's so occasional because every time I go, I don't want to do this again. My head hurts. I don't do it because I think there's some performance loss or gain. I just don't like feeling like that. But I quite happily, eat, you know, the uh, the, the various things. I love chocolate. Absolutely, I love chocolate. And I like certain foods. And then there's other foods that I just I just hate and I don't want to eat. And I think we're probably all like that. But I don't always think, I must eat that because in six months' time, it's going to make this difference. When you get into the season, I'm definitely more of a, yeah, I'll have my beetroot load and I'll make sure, you know, I've got my recovery drink if I do a really hard session and I, I know I can't get, you know, home quick enough to eat properly I'll do that but I think after a while having been somebody that probably was a bit obsessive when I was a, a younger uh, athlete and I was doing my degree and I was kind of feeding myself if you like I've kind of gone through everything I've probably tried every supplement every regime even to the extent of liquidizing my evening meal to think if I drank it would that be easier to do and would help recovery and it was disgusting by the way. <laughs> but I think I've gone through a lot of things but realize actually there's an awful lot which is just inherently in there but it's also about sometimes food is the greatest reward from doing good training not but not to excess just oh I really like that and if you do churn out uh, 5,000, 10,000, however many calories per week, you've got the luxury of being able to eat things and we don't all have to be 5% body fat and luckily I'm not somebody that suffers from putting on weight easily but you only put on weight easily if you eat an extraordinary amount of food and never do anything. Mm. And most of the people listening here, they think they're putting on weight if they go three kilos over race weight. And some will have a, a, an issue with their weight gain is much more rapid and they have, they have struggles of, of adding, you know, seven kilos in the off season. But if you have that kind of body um, type, you don't want to put yourself through real purgatory and you don't want to have to have somebody tell you what you can eat, what can't eat. I have seen certainly online some quite remarkable, um, not necessarily transitions, but people sort of saying, yeah, yeah, this is really working for me. But why they take off two minutes off the 25 mile time trial or suddenly go a bit quicker for their Ironman isn't just about they've got this perfect diet they've just got loads of things right and I think diet is as much about giving people tools to enjoy foods but also to keep food as a real you know part of enjoyment not as something that is the same as do I do I choose a, a zip front wheel or an Edco front wheel or whatever front wheel and end up turning it into like it's all part of this serious marginal gains. Food should be enjoyed. Yeah, and, and I think also with the kit that you can buy, you know, you can do your, you can investigate, you know, where is my money going for this? You know, I, I, I'm buying, you know, the best, the most aerodynamic, you know, the lightest, you know, same with tyres, what am I buying? You know, least rolling resistance, best punch of protection, lightest. You know, with, with things like kind of nutrition, I think you're almost... 
you almost give the money over without going, well, this person must know what they're doing. Yeah. And again, like I said, yeah. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not trying to rubbish anybody, but I just think that most of the information that you seek, whether it be um, you know, the nutritional value, whether it will help you, whether you have a certain medical condition, is out there for you to find. Yeah. You've just got to do a bit of digging. Mm. Um, and all right, yes, I understand then that that person that you are paying has must have some form of qualification slash knowledge um, in kind of um, being a nutritionist. Hmm. Unless they are extremely good, you know, you can gain, you know, easy six to eight watts by buying a new set of tyres and saving yourself maybe 30 quid a month. Yeah. And, and you know, then getting to the end of your six months of, of being with a, a nutritionist or being on this diet or being eating this particular type of food and finding that you've actually gained nothing from yeah. it but it's not to say that you know things like your well-being might be better um you know you might not have picked up any colds you, you might have better knowledge of how foods go together and that's it and, yeah. and i think that kind of knowledge then is is kind of worth it's yeah worth the money but but we don't you know so, is that, so can is I that put knowledge my hand, there already yeah. can i put my hand up and say i don't ever want to be a chef i don't ever in terms of i don't want to ever be somebody that's super creative with food it doesn't appeal to me. Certain foods I've seen you eat. <laughs> yeah, certain foods do, and certain meals do. But I get it why why foodies or certainly chefs are so creative with it and so like doing it. But there's certainly a fair proportion of the rest of us that don't really have. I, I think it's almost like a mindset with me, and and there are other people that I've spoken to about it is that they're not really that interested in being that creative. Like I'm not really um, that interested in in finding out. Uh, how the underneaths of a bonnet of a car work, to be honest, because it doesn't interest me. And I think when people are really into food, some are really into, you know, experimenting with how they create this and do that. And that's not my thing. And it never has been. I like, I like certain foods. I like eating foods. I certainly like it if people make food. That's very nice. But um, I could live quite a simple diet and not be thinking, oh, I've got to be able to make this, such, 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 such. It doesn't, I see it on telly and I'm like, they've gone to an awful lot of effort to make that. I know it might taste nice, but that's an awful lot of effort. Yeah. And and I think with you, back to, back to Bob, you kind of know, you know what works for you and you know what doesn't, but there's, I don't think there's a, a miraculous amount of, um, what can you say? Improvement to be made. Can you hear some paper right there? Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's good. Let's go on to the next question. Thank you, Bob. Good question. Any more? Send them in. This one was from uh, Mark Hill, and it was again a tw this one was a Twitter question. This wasn't Messenger, so we're using multiple social platforms. media outlets platforms. <laughs> uh, it said people used to laugh at the praying mantis position. And we'll define that in a minute. Seems very in vogue now, but you don't see many pros doing it these days, question mark. And I just responded back to Mark and said, good question for the next podcast, um, setting our brains to geek mode. Okay, so let's first of all define the prayer mantis position. It's a position probably Lloyd... Uh, Lloyd Landis. No, I say Lloyd Flanders. Oh, do you? Yeah. Well, oh, that's right. wrong. Lo right, Floyd <laughs> Landis. I always get back to Rome. Um And also, um, who was the other one? Uh, Levi Lepheimer. Because they right. they're probably um, two of the most famous ones that use it. So you've got a position where, instead of having a, a fairly horizontal to even slightly raised um, hand when your hand is on the aero bars, your arm is probably at something like 40 to 45 degrees. It's now at least at your chin, maybe even at your nose level. 
So you're creating what was originally, again, for a, a, a very few and uh, older set of podcast listeners, um, the original DH Downhill, as it was called, Scott Aero Bar, uh, was based on the DH meant downhill. They were mimicking the downhill skier position, which again meant they were looking for the hands to be up a bit higher and in front of the nose. Um, and it was in... And then it was out. But there have been some changes to UCI rules, haven't there? Yeah. They varied it. They, they went to say it had to be horizontal forearm. And then there was people arguing and they've now allowed them a certain amount of height. And if you look at the Wiggins position for the hour record, that had to be UCI compliant. And his hands were definitely higher up. Um, and so the, the, the prey mantis position... Um, it, it sort of was there, then it got dropped as they were told they had had horizontal forearms. And now it's sort of come back. And within triathlon, there's quite a few people been using it. But I think there's several reasons um, why not. And firstly, it's about handling. When you're literally resting on your elbow, almost on an edge of a, of a pad, it's harder to, to hold the bike in that way with your arms upwards. Even if you feel like it should be logically sterner. It's not. It's actually more, 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 more lax. You still move around a bit more. Um, have you ever tried that position? No, not that one. And and to kind of clarify, if if anybody's interested, yeah, just go back and look look through, uh, put into Google or whatever search engine you've mm. got, and just put. Um, Prey mantis position, either TT, so either put uh, Levi Lipheimer or um, uh, Floyd Landis mm. in. But basically, they were almost looking through their hands, mm. weren't they? they mm. were the, the, the front of their arms were quite close together. And Dave Miller would do it. Actually, and Zabruski was, uh, was doing yeah, it as well Zabruski in, in Garmin. And one, I think one issue is that some, I mean, some people have said and have measured and, and certainly in certain uh, individuals' instances have found that it hasn't been any faster but plenty of people uh, have found it. It's not, it's not clear why. Why some people do, some people don't. But there's definitely something that could be there. And I think because it was working for riders that were riding so fast, what happened was it was immediately thought of, we've all got to do it. And um, some people do find a very slight benefit. And um, why it's sort of... I mean, what, you know, why not these days? Well, partly the rules stop them doing it at the UCI level. In triathlon, I think for most people, it's probably a bit extreme to hold that position at such a height. I think if you have your hand slightly higher than your elbow, it's often a little bit better. What we know is definitely if your hand is below your elbow, so as you were riding along, it looks like your forearm is pointing down, that is definitely slower okay whether horizontal or just a bit higher than horizontal works is probably a, a difficult thing to quantify and the actual very high hand up in front of the nose is such a difficult one to ride i think maybe most triathletes go for comfort and say that's a bit extreme and that's why they don't do it but there are people in um time trialing and in triathlon that don't have rule restrictions that have definitely found that it works for them and therefore that's the way they ride but it's not it's not a unilateral some people are quicker with horizontal forearms and others are quicker with their hands up and maybe you know we we know from setting people up the people that we have to set up because they've been maybe um track tested um to be quicker 
it's certainly not out the box. Most aero bars are horizontal with a very slight up sweep. You've got to know what you're doing to get a bar to do what you want it to do when it bends up at, say, 40, 45 degrees. And it's not as easy or as, as um, what's the word, as intuitive to do that as you would think. So it's, it, I, th I think, you know, some people don't go down that route because they don't know it works. Others don't go down the route because they don't know how to do it. And it probably is such a marginal difference that, to be honest, if you're on aero bars, you can hold them comfortably. You can put stuff between your forearms that is easy to reach or is out of the wind. That's probably as far as you need to go. Mm. It's only when people look at the last little bits and certainly seeing the fastest time trialists are normally some of the most tested and some of the most rigorous at knowing their position. There's still plenty of those with their hands upwards and they've got the data to prove it, but it's not like everybody's got it. There's some that have and some that haven't. And I know some people have been tested and it definitely doesn't work. So if they did it, they'd go slower. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an in interesting question because, again, it's all to do with how technology and um, fashions also move on through yeah. through kind of biking especially so um, and different ways of setting up but the original reason why the UCI banned it was the fact that they were saying that it impaired the vision of the rider yeah. because if you look I suppose Levi Lipheim is the best one because his his position was so extreme that he was literally hiding behind his hands getting his hands joined together that's right um, and kind of occasionally popping his head up just to, to make sure that there was nothing in front I mean, but you know they're they're professional riders, so there's there's no way it's kind of gonna gonna affect them that much. Yeah. But like you said, at some point someone must have tested them and just gone, yeah, that's the way to be. But I don't see how that would kind of cross over to kind of the the triathlon scene for that. And like you said, the testing now shows that there's certain other ways that you can you know that you can um, be faster without having to go into such a, an extreme position. Yeah. So we spoke. Uh, might be last month, might be the month before, uh, about colostrum. Yes. And I uh, just wanted to give the actual uh, research, um, what would you call it, like title and the, the, the sort of head person of it. And this is when we spoke about it. I actually got this um, through a, this was a, a pre-publication. So I got this before it came out in publication via um a contact we via the people that are doing the research actually uh, and it was actually for those that were interested because it was connected with and I hope you've all been listening in previous months there'll be a test there'll be a test <laughs> uh, about colostrum and how it can help the gut particularly under heavy exercise and heavy exercise you know isn't isn't we're not talking Tour de France we're talking 20 minutes of high intensity exercise so if you run your park run or do a time trial or do Olympic distance race, you're already in that category. Often what's amazing about research is that they're kind of quite soft on, not on the definitions, but they kind of say strenuous exercise. You look at strenuous exercise, think, blimey, that's not that strenuous. Um, so most people that are doing these things, when you think about strenuous exercise, like you're already doing it. If you train and race for competitions, you're probably going way out of the parameters they're even measuring. Anyway, it was by uh, a group headed by Glenn Davison, and the actual title was Zinc Carnosine Works with Bovine Colostrum in Truncating Heavy Exercise-Induced Increase in Gut Permeability in Healthy Volunteers. So in English, that means if you take the colostrum and or the zinc carnosine, it stops the gut becoming so leaky uh, due to heavy exercise. So if it truncates, it, 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 it stops, it sort of, you know, um, reduces the effect of it quite significantly 
And I think now if you hunt around on, you know, the various uh, research portals, you can probably get this one probably free, actually. Most of these are PDF format free for those that want to read into, you know, the... Um, read into the trun read into truncating it. of heavy the, exercise yeah, induced... The volunteers, um, they did 14 days of placebo, they then did the days of colostrum, etc., etc. So I just wanted to bring that up so that if somebody is saying, well, what was that study? That was what it was. And it's in, uh, in various sort of journals and uh, e-publication e uh, um, uh, websites. So... So was there an outcome? Was there an outcome? Oh yeah, it was a positive. It was a positive. It, yeah, because that's why I say it truncates. It actually significantly. No, I've got to get the paper back out. Sorry. Now. Um, it significantly uh, uh, zinc carnosine taken alone or with colostrum increased uh, the resistance and the structures. Uh, this trial was registered with. So it says it works. Good. It works. Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks, and you get the benefits. Particularly. Off-season relevant, which is why also it's timely for the um, research papers sort of be mentioned again, is that in the off-season, rebuild your health. Two weeks of colostrum, 10 grams a day, so 10 grams twice a day. So what's that? 20 grams a day, two weeks, 140. So about 300 grams is that you get the full effects in that 300 gram um, window. And can't remember off the top of my head what 300 grams costs you, but to, to make sure your gut is in good order, having, mm. having seen what people get, when they have got gut issues and it starts to get worse, you're talking about not even a marginal gain, you're talking about a huge loss in terms of um, uh, not necessarily diarrhea, but certainly getting issues with increased uh, inability to deal with certain foodstuffs, definitely not recovering as well. And therefore, for something that's going to cost you, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 pounds, you can actually make your gut rebuild itself and hence be ready to train again. Not necessarily train hard, but maybe now's the time to say, oh, do you know what? I'm not entering races. I've got a bit of budget. Now's the time to make sure the gut, which is central to my recovery, my my nutrition that we've been talking about earlier, if that gut doesn't work, you are in trouble. Well, funny enough, we were talking about, and, and we won't bang on about it, but we were talking about the TUE situation, weren't oh, we? Oh, yeah. Um, so the TUE, so the um, uh, Therapeutic Use Exemption, um, which... Uh, obviously athletes can apply for if they're using something that uh, they that they is need. on a banned list that they need, need. we've got uh, inverted commas for a, need. for a health slash uh, situation that is there um, but we, we were just thinking you know we, we didn't want to make a big song and dance about it you know all the information's out there you can you can look wherever you uh, wherever you wish most of it's on the internet um, but we were just thinking you know to, to, as a lead on to that is you know we're coming into the off season and if there are a little niggling issues and we say this every every year this 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 time um, you know you need to go and get it addressed. You need to go and get it sorted out, you know, before the, the big layoff, you know, where you get a couple of weeks, a month, two months off, whatever you choose to do, um, you know, get that niggling little issue sorted, you know, something as simple as, oh, I haven't been to the dentist for, you know, six months. Get yourself down there. I haven't been to the opticians for, you know, Who six said months. that? Who said that? Did yeah. somebody just say that? No. Get yourself down there, you know, get it, yeah. get, get kind of, get all these little things ticked off your list um, and then you can just kick back and relax and, Organise the organise the uh, the sheds in your garden. Yeah. Uh, do the attic. See no. people. See people you haven't seen for a while. I mean, do loads of stuff. Do yeah. do do your life admin because it. I think it's really important to realise that racing training is great, but it's not. It's just not. You know, it 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 can get so important 
and then things that are really important near to you get you know yeah you know birth deaths marriages big things can suddenly hit you in the face but they have to whereas it's the sort of subtle things you think I haven't seen x oh, i've been doing that racing or that training and I think it's important to keep that balance. And when you go to the off-season, the whole point is, and I say this to clients, look, we, we've got to flick a switch a bit. We've got to get you doing some different things, going to some different sessions, seeing some different people, because I don't want you to be in a rut and you go straight from one season straight into the next hardcore winter training, because it's not actually going <laughs> to you know, create anything better. It's just going to do, do it the hard way, probably miss out on some opportunities, um, so this is official. You are allowed to have Christmas, listeners. Okay, you are allowed to have um, sweets. Um, if somebody knocks at your door on the thirty first of uh, October and says trick or treat or um, whatever, um, and uh, make sure that you uh, yeah, make sure that you keep it in perspective because it's. Um, I think it is important that this sport is balanced, and it's balanced with the fact that you, you train hard, you you race. And then you've got to kick back and go, you know what, it is important to make sure that, um, like you say, you keep it all in uh, in perspective. And I know lots of people say, yes, I do. And they do. And I know the worst ones that, that think they do are actually not doing it. So if you know somebody like that, give them a nudge. You know, if they if they train too much or just say, look, just for a month, switch off and try and just, you know, smell the... Uh, take them out for a beer or take them out the for, a, uh, for a takeaway. That's what you want to do. We'll take them out. For Thank you very much. If you're asking, Anytime. there Anytime, we go. Right, there Joseph. we go. Yes, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're riding tomorrow morning. That'll probably be okay. enough time in, in my fun. presence, I reckon. <laughs> right. Uh, I was going to do a, a bit of research. Go on. Go on then. Go um, on then. There is a, an article that's, I think this one is at Bike Radar. If you Google um, how to build strength and lean mass, there's an article. Um, it's funny, that's 2007. So that's what, nine years. And I, I sort of remember doing it. But then I looked back at it and thought, was it right? And it talks about building lean mass, weight training 30 to 60 minutes, two or three days a week, using six to 10 repetitions with at least two minutes rest. And I went back into the research and got a couple of things to bring up on that. And yeah, they were saying two minutes between rest, around six to 10, maybe even as low as four. But you got, to, you know, four rep max is pretty you know, number one hurts and number four goes bang. So I think you've got to be safe that you don't do more limb damage than strength training in that. Um, I put on this one, it might have been over the top, but for some people it, it fits, you know, 50 to 100 grams of protein in the day. Um, protein should only really be ingested at about 25 grams a time because your body can only process so much. Hence, if you look at the bodybuilders, you know, every, what, two and a half hours, they'll have a bit of protein, but they start breakfast with protein, they have protein mid-morning, lunch, all the time they're feeding in the protein to keep your body anabolic. Uh, on the days you do weights, don't overdo your endurance work. So um, as long as you do your, you know, maybe you get up to 150% of your goal, providing your goal isn't like an, you know, an Ironman or 24-hour time trial, you don't want to say, right, I've got to ride 36 hours because he said 150%. Most people are doing moderate distances, feel like you're doing enough at this time of year, but not too much. And, if it's the first part of this winter that you're thinking, I just need to tone it down a bit, then tone it down. Don't think you have to do your biggest sessions. One day a week, and I, remind, I sort of remembered this and thought, actually, I need to tell myself this and tell other people. Reduce your stress one day a week by not training, relax, rest quietly for several hours in the evening. That would be very nice, actually. <laughs> it would be really nice to get that, but it doesn't, doesn't always happen. And then if you want power, but you don't want to affect your lean mass, you could do short intervals Things like, you know, 30 seconds really hard and then recover for five minutes. But in a four to six week period, you will hit peak 
event readiness. So that isn't something to do in the off season. That's if somebody wants to get sort of the benefits of um, high intensity training, but use it for intervals. Yeah. The study that I found was only today in the International Journal, uh, International Journal of Sports Physiology and Performance. Mm -hmm. This came through last night, actually, on email. And I just looked at it and it was about um, impairment of, of performance after a season of strength training with elite cyclists. So what was quite good was they were elite. There were sort of 70, 73 milliliters per kilogram. So anyone that knows their VO2 max numbers, that's pretty solid. You know, you get quoted the, um, you know, the, the Lance Armstrong and the Paul New, uh, uh, Paula Radcliffe's were up in the, you know, maybe low 80s. These people at 73, so they're pretty good. They, you know, they're, they're certainly up in what would be categorised as uh, as elite. And they did, they basically did eight weeks of strength training after already, sorry, eight weeks strength training stoppage after already doing 25 weeks of strength training and trying to look at the effects um, that that had and also looking at the effects of what the strength training did. Um, but I'm not going to tell you what the outcome of that one is because I want people, if they're really interested, to go and find it. Because I think it's quite good to sort of say to people, that's your homework, go and do it. Um, All right, teacher. The author, I won't do the author's name, but it was called Impairment of Performance Variables After In-Season Strength Training Cessation in Elite Cyclists. And the, the, the abbreviation is IJSPP. Right. But the other one I found, which was easy to easy to uh, get hold of, oh, I can tell it's easier because the prints the prints uh, bigger. Larger. Yeah, and that's just that's just the first page. That, that's the first page. Just so I, I had both pages there. They, they looked at heavy strength training um, over ten weeks in twelve cyclists. What I mean, what I saw, which was quite strange with this, was that they sort of found that uh, the endurance and strength training they had bigger increases in their half squat well you'd imagine if you're doing strength training you would get half squat versus somebody that's just going out and riding a bike so that one was a bit obvious yeah okay um mean power output for a 30 second wind gate so a 30 second wind gate is sort of the benchmark test for sprints that's what's always been if, if the ramp test has been to find somebody's peak power in a in a sort of an aerobic capacity the 30 second wind gate going back 30 years was always the test to do and you could see the people that were more sprint orientated even though one would say 30 seconds is quite long for a sprinter. Um, but there was only a tendency towards the power output at threshold to actually get better. So even though they did this heavy strength training, they didn't immediately uh, get my teeth in, immediately get better at threshold. And uh, uh, the P equals 0.68. That, it, within statistics, if it's not any, if it's not below 0 0.5, then the chances are there's more and more chance that that could have just happened by accident. So it's like, that's why they say there's a tendency. It, was, it, mm. wasn't, it wasn't significant. It was there was a tendency for that to happen. So it didn't happen, but it, it might have. But what they found was between the endurance strength trained people over the 10 weeks and those that just did endurance on its own, there was no difference in a 40-minute all-out time trial. Now, this isn't to say, oh, look, strength training doesn't do it. But it's amazing how the number of times you look at strength training research there's certain benefits it seems to give and certain things it doesn't and it's never uniform i've seen somewhere they've done strength training and you see a definite um increase uh this one was actually um this was published august 
this year, 10 weeks of heavy strength training improves performance-related measurements in elite cyclists. And though it does improve, the one that most people would probably relate to, which was, you know, what was, um, you know, what was, the, what was the time trial performance, actually didn't improve, okay? It was a 0.13. It's got to be less than uh, 0.05. So it was kind of like there was no difference if you strength trained or didn't strength train over 10 weeks. And though this is only 12 people and... I think the thing with strength training, it probably makes a difference. And it certainly helps people do something. That if you measured their bone density, there'd probably be better bone density in the strength trainers. They're also doing something different. It didn't make them worse, but didn't make them better. Um, and most people probably wouldn't do 10 weeks of heavy strength training leading up to a peak race. They might do it in the off-season to be strong, of which it said, you know, their squat was better. Well, if you train in a squat exercise, you probably imagine you would. Mm. The simplicity of it is that it's not that complicated to do a heavy strength training program. When you look at, they often do maybe five or six or seven exercises. They do gradually increasing over the 10 weeks, gradually going from maybe 10 rep max down to maybe four to six rep max. You just make it harder and harder to not be able to get past six reps. So it is quite simple and it probably is quite effective for the odd person, but most didn't actually get better at the 40 minute time trial or at threshold. But they did get a better 30-second wing gate, of which I don't know the wattage. I'll have to get the whole of the rest of the paper and read it. But there was only slight gains. But from the title, you know, it improves performance-related measurements. You'd think everything was, was sort yeah. of yeah. improves some. But actually, the ones that most people say, would I be better, 40 minutes is a funny duration. Because most people aren't. Though the national record is 45 minutes for the 25-mile time trial, most people think about doing it for an hour, or most people doing sprint try are thinking an hour to an hour 20. So it's not a duration people typically do, but if 40 minutes were a 10K or the equivalent, this is saying, well, this actually on a bike didn't make any difference to your 40-minute effort. Hmm. Does that surprise you? Um, yes, but it says heavy Oh, heavy, heavy yeah. uh, strength training, doesn't it? Yeah. So, but I, I, I no, I, I, it does, it surprises me that people probably invest so much time in doing the heavier weights for, for biking. Yeah. Um, but I just think kind of like just lifting body weight, pretty much the lighter, um, kind of lighter weight, more repetition um, or more reps is probably a better way just to kind of keep everything in check. So yeah, but, and I, and I don't know um, the details. Are probably that you know that may well have been a uh, a younger group of athletes. In which case, there may be less need to do it as people get older. There probably is more need from a uh, injury protection, from a sense that the hormones are slightly different, and therefore actually the amount of resistance training that somebody can do is probably less because their hormonal recovery is, is somewhat reduced. So I think it certainly says that there is a potential benefit of strength training. And when people right now, again, it's relevant to thinking about this is off-season. Yeah, this yeah, is when yeah. people have said, oh, I want to start back into the gym now. If you can, I think you keep it going throughout the year, but we've all started it. And then um, not, not because you suddenly become inactive, but you suddenly just say, you know what? I can't be bothered to go to the gym now. I'd rather go out on the bike. I'd rather I was going to say, especially the weather's nice yeah, as well. Yeah, the weather's nice. But if you start now and you start very gradually, you know, quite literally doing, you know, 12 rep max to let the structures adapt, particularly if you're older and you're newer to this, it's going to take a while for the, for the 
body's internal structures to adapt. If you've already ramped up the mass over the first three weeks quite significantly, your muscle can push that weight because you're just waking up more motor neurons. It's the joint structures that are many weeks behind that start giving you tennis elbow and shin splints and back pain. So you've got to do it very gradually and I think it's important to almost be at a very low level to start with. And if you're starting now, which is October, let's say you listen to this October, even into November, you don't really want to be hitting significantly really hard work till you get to January, February. Because these things are often done for 10 weeks, it's because often when you get to that point in time, there isn't much more to go. So either you try and do it, and there's another study I was looking at today that showed that you get to a certain point and then you can maintain at a lower level once you're in the season. But even so, if you hit peak strength by January, it's an awful long time to maintain before you even get to your first races, let alone to the end of the season. Mm -hmm. So I think you you time it better, you do good technique, you gradually take the resistance up through October, November, December, January, and you're doing really significant work, January, February, March, April, of which that is also working with the seasons, that's easier coming out and with greater daylight and if you like greater fitness level to get strong then, it's almost like a preparatory period followed by a strength period. Mm. Nice, um, nice, mm, that was, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, yeah, and, and, and I think the gym work is, is essential pretty much for, for what you need to be doing, you know, off season. It's a change of scene as well, but I'm kind of, I'm with the people that kind of uh, make a comment that, you know, I'd rather not be in the gym if the sun's out and the weather's quite nice. I'd rather be out riding my bike, yeah. which and, I can, and I can start, side with, yeah. And, and in, in, in sync with that, this one, this um, podcast is a little bit uh, shorter, but I think it's also quite nice to sort of think that there's a there's a logical seasonality to what we do and if now there is a sense that people are oh yeah i'm just not quite not quite into it the way i was back in the season when i was doing my my triathlon qualifier or my um you know my enduro race or or my uh you know my marathon it makes sense for you to not always try and be on it i think you're much better to phase it and i i like this part because you you don't have to be over-optimistic about what you're going to achieve next year. What you can be is actually just take a respite. Look at what you've achieved over the year. Sort of, ref I call it review and refine. Just look at maybe getting a little bit better at, you know, I, have, I do have to go to the gym. I've got to make my, you know, my travel plans or my timing or my equipment that let me down several times. I've got to sort those out because they were, they were downsized. At some point, you're not just going to, Every one of the uh, that is listening can't just say, do you know, what? I'm just going to do six hours more from now on every week, just six hours more. That'll get me better because that's unrealistic. But you can refine how you apply your hours, how you might find the odd stealth hour that is riding half an hour to and from work. You suddenly gain an hour. And although you might or might not be able to do something else that day, you've got a stealth hour, which may over multiple weeks say oh yeah I, I i did that 30 times in the year i got another 30 hours of training hey that gave me another 10 percent training that was just like stealth training so i think refine what you do look back therefore what you've um had good bad and indifferent this year and almost sense that you know what you can you can think about next year but for a while just enjoy it and just enjoy that less pressure situation because you can put yourself under so much pressure now that just really isn't worth it no, take take your time, chill out, chill out, and therefore you know be looking at the latest products or um um or or as Martin's been doing, Martin's actually been doing some uh, 
reading up on uh, on research. Yeah, I, I did. I did. And, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to divulge any of my information. Oh, until, come on. No, no, until I have my uh, facts uh, correctly uh, in in order, and um, obviously I have pieces of paper in front of me because that's what Joe does. <laughs> And with highlighters. You'd written down notes on your phone about a... Don't tell me. Was it about a Nobel Peace Prize winner? And no, the, a um, Nobel Prize winner. Nobel Prize winner. Yeah, yeah. Nobel Prize winner. And uh, macrophages or something like that? or uh, Auto... Autophages? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, so nobody who listens to this podcast, don't you ever believe that Martin isn't doing background research at all? Because... Because I, I do, I have no idea what it is. <laughs> I bring it in and go, Joe, what's that? What, what's what that? does that mean? What does that, that, mean? What does that do? What does that mean? I've started reading and I've gone down a rabbit hole and I can't get myself out of it. Yeah, that's it. So, I'll lovely listeners, up. thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We appreciate the uh, the questions that come in through through Twitter, email, um, the, the reviews and ratings. And if you've got questions, I think we'll be uh, doing another episode sooner rather than later and definitely keeping on this sort of off season yes we can talk about you know the 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 the, the, the tues and that kind of stuff but i'd rather keep it to what is relevant to people that are out there doing endurance sport and are therefore um you know looking at questions about if i start this should i do this or what do you reckon about this i, I don't want to do reviews of what well, we reckon that the you know the tax yeah smart is better than the uh, cyclops this no we want to actually just try and give people almost like the organizational uh ideas that mean that they can look at what they do and go ah i could change this i could change but that. Na- now would be the time to get the information on the training that you might want to do yeah yeah uh, and in, also in, also in take season, the time so. to review what you've done so look if, in a diary look at your races look look at what you actually did and this this is a, an important point See your times, your splits, your age group positions, your distance that you did in your one hour run test, whatever it is, and actually note it down. It shouldn't be, oh, I reckon I probably did uh, a such and such. You should know your PBs, but you should also know where your average times were and your perhaps, you know, your age group positions and your, you know, in the vets or whether you were in this series of races, because what you don't want to do is look at the peak race of this year and assume next year that's going to be just average. And therefore, next year, you're going to be this, this, and this. You can attain improvements in performance. That's effectively what I do with people. They say, well, you've done this, this, and this. Let's nudge it forward. But the worst outcome is when somebody comes along and what they've done once, which may be a short course, which may be 10 years ago, which may be... um, Actually, they've got the facts wrong and they look back and it's actually 10 minutes slower. The worst is to start with unrealistic expectations because you've not got your facts right. So I think you're right. You know, now is the time to, to actually go back, look at your races, write them all down. I like it when they're written down and people say the swim was this, bike was this run or did these time trials or, you know, this this is my average power for my races. And if you set up that framework you can actually perhaps be doing it in real time next season so you actually you plot it as you go because if you plot it as you go there's no surprise when you get to the outcomes if people think that they're faster than what they are because they're taking that hypothetical oh i reckon i'll do this this and this and unfortunately they're not at that level this year it just puts on unrealistic pressure from race one to race two to race three to race four. Eventually, the numbers are your numbers, and I think you have to own them. You have to therefore say, okay, 
I want to go quicker than that. Or do you know what? That was some of the best performances I've ever done. And it's much better than I reckon, I reckon, you know, I reckon that 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 59 minute time trial is probably worth a 55, really. No, it's 59 minutes. If you did um, in the 24 hour ride, if you did 420, you did 420. Brilliant. But never add more on and never assume what you've done is automatically easily going to be achieved even beginners that are quite a small level we don't know what's around the corner and if something happens in the next two months six months ten months you may be struggling to just get to that event so set yourself reachable just about but maybe on a very good day i'll get to that point but don't don't make out you're already at that point and all you're going to do to people is prove that you can do that because if your average is 10% back from that, then you're going to have to have an exceptional day to get 10% better than your average performance on that one day. And all that does is then unrealistic mean that people say, well, they never they never seem to do the races that they say they can do. And that's because the, the average and the peak are getting muddled up. Peak is some of those one-offs you think, wow, I put that all together. And you're not talking a 10% difference, you're talking like a 3% difference on a good day, if that. But get your races, your your achievements that may be just longest distance you've ridden it might be the the greatest weekly run mileage you did whatever you achieved write it down and use that as a framework to say what do i want to repeat improve or add to next year and then start slowly thinking about the sessions you might be doing in the coming months but don't then say wow that's huge motivation i listened to those guys on the podcast and they said go for it you'll get three months ahead of yourself don't just start to plan and as you've got time now it's good to look back at what you've achieved because you've probably achieved things that by now you couldn't even remember you did back in may and you went but i've forgotten i've done that and people say that it's not until we're reviewing the year. I'd completely forgotten about that race because they're in the middle of their season and they're cracking on. Oh, I forgot I got that PB. And that's 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 going to give you motivation if you can remember that because historically it's yours to own. You know? This is it. And if you didn't do stuff, well, then see why you didn't do it. And and then say, I didn't get to that race and that race and that race. You know why? Because I've got to set myself up properly to have the time to do it or, you know, to set myself goals that are near enough that I can do them. So uh, never, never regret it. Just do whatever you can do, but be realistic about the numbers because you can't all take, you know, another 20 minutes off of our uh, five hour hundred mile time trial or off of our you know another another five minutes off a off a half marathon because we think we might go quicker even getting to where you are this year might be your biggest struggle next year that you've ever had and having seen when people have good days or when they have massive struggle days some of the struggle days can be the biggest self-confident and biggest achievements they've done in the whole year not the fast ones the ones that challenge them down to the core because that's when you show your metal and also there's not there's no such thing as a bad race you know as long as you take from that maybe bad event bad race um bad situation as long as you take yes from that and learn from it then it hasn't been a waste of time and it's not been a bad race because you've learned from it. just that was that was Liquid gold right there. Oh, wow. Liquid gold. Occasionally get it. <laughs> Follow us on facebook.com slash Coach Joe Beer. Uh, South Fort Racing is on South Fort Racing is on Facebook, is on Twitter, and is also at southfortracing.co.uk. Thank you once again. Anytime. You know that. Tomorrow morning. Six o'clock. Uh, I know. Uh,
Thank you for listening and we will be back in under a month. Thank you very much. Bye. Ciao.